No, I ain't ready. <laughs> All right, welcome everybody to the very first episode of Underqualified Analyst Podcast. Uh, I'm Cooper. We have Zach and we have Hunter. And we are all completely non-athletic dudes that just don't have any sort of qualifications to be able to do this. So let me just run down for you real quick. So first off, I've got myself. I played on the same rec team as Drake Jackson, the starting center for the University of Kentucky, and won the rec league championship. That was when I was 11. Um, I played football until ninth grade. I was a golfer, so I basically didn't play a sport. Uh, I was also a rec league basketball champion. And then we got Zach. He played football until ninth grade, played baseball all the way until college at Berea. And until his 33rd surgery, he gave it up. He was uh, called a quitter by everybody and his family for years. He's still kind of kind of dwelling on that. Uh, sat left bench in basketball in high school. He coaches golf and fishing. So real winner there. Next, we got the most qualified by far, Hunter Anderson. He is a world goldfish record holder. He has never played football or basketball. Uh, he's played basketball, but, you know, he hasn't played basketball. High school bowling regional champion. Can't forget that. High school angler, he created the uh, Bull County fishing team, and he is the most successful sports handicapper this side of the Mississippi. So uh, just to give you all a little recap of kind of like what we do, we are just going to be going through a kind of weekend wrap-up, mostly focused towards Kentucky sports. We all are Kentucky football and basketball and baseball and really Kentucky everything fans. So uh, we're going to give you guys a breakdown of that. Uh, so, yeah, anything you guys want to add to that? That was the first time they got to hear their qualifications. I think you uh, you nailed it there. <clears throat> yeah, my qualifications were great. I agree with all of them. <laughs> well, good, good. So – First thing I want to get into is actually Florida versus Alabama. So, obviously, you guys know the score was 31-29. Alabama did a little squeezer on Florida. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts? Uh, first, we'll start with Zach. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts about the game and just kind of overall thoughts? You know, early on in the game, uh, it kind of – you kind of got the feeling that it was going to be a blowout. Alabama came out, punched Florida in the mouth, and I think Florida kind of stumbled. I think they were really struggling with playing two cupcake opponents and then your first real opponent is Alabama. I think the adjustment to the speed and physicality of, you know, top-tier SEC talent, it took them a while. But once they settled in, I think Florida really showed us what they're capable of. I agree with what he said in the regard that, you know, you but most teams when they get down to an Alabama team, you know, especially, you know, with Nick Saban, you know, they kind of lay down. But Florida definitely showed a lot by, you know, coming back. The main thing that I have to 
take from that game was the over-under was 60, and it was – score was 39 – or 31 to 29. So, you know, it was a push, so – and I had the over. So, that's that's it. I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the takeaways that I had from the game was just – honestly, if you look at the stat sheet, Florida dominated this game. Like, they absolutely dominated this game. So, they only – they had one turnover, and that – other than that, they basically – controlled everything. They had 439 yards to Alabama's uh, 331. Uh, Alabama had 60 more passing yards. Florida rushed for 258 yards. That is wild on Bama. Um, That's really uncharacteristic for a Bama defense, you know. But in the past couple of years, we've kind of seen Saban shift away from that defensive mindset to – well, we're just going to put more points on the board than you are. And I think we're finally starting to see the culmination of that is you're getting a Bama defense that's not textbook Alabama defense. Well, yeah. And then if you look at it from just an analysis point, go go back and look at that game. They played two safeties deep the entire game. Emory Jones is an awful passer. Horrible. So they're trying to not get beat by the deep ball because I guess they don't have confidence in a quarterbacks or cornerbacks or something. But they they kept playing two safeties deep, and then you know they're like, well, they're going to throw the ball eventually. No, no, they're not. They're going to run straight up the gut whenever you can run two hundred fifty eight yards against Alabama. I mean, might as well, right? You got to wonder too. Had Florida had a completely healthy roster, you know. Without the presence of a pocket passer, Alabama wasted a great opportunity to just bring pressure. If you throw Richardson in, who is a really good pocket passer, then I think, you know, I think the final score may have come out a little different. I think Florida may have come out on top. There's also a chance we'll get to see that game again get to see a rematch i personally don't think it's going to happen but we definitely could see it again yeah um yeah i mean I, I, it's just I, I i think it's good it's good to me to see that you know it's not the same alabama that we saw last year now don't get me wrong they're still really good i don't take anything away from that but um i think to me, my takeaway from this game was Florida is better than what I had thought going into it because, yeah, we we saw the first two games against the Cupcake teams, and, you know, we said, wow, you know, their offense is dynamic, and we got to see a little bit of uh, Richardson, which I think that guy's going to be a beast. I mean, that, that, it's scary to me as a UK fan to see that they did not play him in such a – big game so I guess Dan Mullen really knows what he has there um and that, that's you know that's scary to me that they can put up these numbers on Alabama and you know that's not even their number one guy quarterback like that's that's impressive to me I agree I think the one thing that I'm taking away from the game is that Florida is much better than what everybody thought or maybe not everybody but a lot of people thought and they put the sec on notice so i don't know that it's so much about bama as it is about florida 
and them coming back and making a close game after everybody thought they would lay down. You kind of you kind of have to wonder too, with Alabama being at the top for so long. Was there some was there some lax attitudes toward Florida with the reputation that they had garnered early on? Did well, I don't think so because I mean they came out twenty one three to start the game, you know. So when you look at it from that perspective, you're like, well, I mean, maybe maybe it was it was poor scouting by them. Like, you know, they didn't, they were like, well, we're kind of looking forward to the Arkansas game or, you know, this or that or whatever. But, um, you know, that, that I just, I don't, I don't think it was that personally. I think that's definitely going to be two teams that we're going to, we're going to be on the watch list for the rest of the season. Uh, Alabama's always there. I think Florida, I don't know how they stack up with a, a very, very good Georgia team this year. Yeah, that was actually my next point uh, was, like, how good is Georgia's defense? Like, holy sheets, but, man. I Like, those guys are for real. That's one of the best defenses I've seen in a very long time. Now, yeah, they played they played a questionable Clemson team. We really don't know how good Clemson is. Um, and then they played an absolute dog trash South Carolina. I mean, you know, Beamer, he's trying his best, but um, – you know, he said it. Like, what did what did the reporter say? Like, uh, what did Georgia do so well against Kuala to not be able to run the ball? And he said, "Oh, they have a hundred five stars." And I mean, that's true. And to your point earlier about how Bama has been focusing on offensive minded versus defensive minded. Georgia has just kind of creeped in there and they've been like, okay, you guys can take the offensive guys. We'll take the defense. You know, you talked about a, a questionable Clemson team, but they're still one of the top teams in college football. And you're talking about a Georgia team that held them to two rushing yards. I did not say that wrong. <laughs> two yards on the ground. I don't care if that's against a high school team. That's impressive. Mm. 180 total yards for a Clemson team that's in the talk for a national championship almost every year. Granted, they've had a lot of changes in their quarterback and their some other players going to the league. <clears throat> that's just unbelievable to me that Georgia's defense dominated them to the point where it was – Almost like watching them play a peewee team. Yeah. Now, Georgia, I had some questions about their offense after that Clemson game. It didn't look like they had, you know, a real dominant passing or rushing attack. And I'm not sure Clemson's defense is that great. But, man, when they played their next game – they're, they changed quarterbacks, and their offense looked like a completely different unit. Well, they've changed back quarterbacks. Uh, JT Daniels was 
uh, having an oblique issue. So he played against, what was it, was Charleston? Was that their second game? So he, he played the second game, and then the third game, uh, Daniels came back over. And then – but, you know, Kirby's smart. He's still trying to come in there and just say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to throw Connor uh, – I'm gonna throw Connor in there and uh, just kind of see how that how that works, you know. But overall, they I mean they're they're scarier than than I I will admit. Like I, I you know I thought they were good, but I didn't know that they were as good as what they looked like against South Carolina. At least. Well, you go down their list, and the ten points against Clemson is not impressive, but UAB. They put up 56 and put up 40 against South Carolina. They have the they have the ability to put up put points on the board, but they are not giving up points. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say is that even though UAB and South Carolina obviously are, you know, not as good, not in not elite teams, that is that uh Maybe their offense doesn't have to be elite if their defense is that good. I mean, I know you have to have it all to win it all, but their defense is not giving up any points. Maybe their offense can get by with being a little, you know, a little bit below average, which I don't think they are. But, you know, I think they're I, – but I do think that their defense is definitely better than their offense. But their defense is so good that maybe they don't have to have a, you know, crazy good, good offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that point. I, but I will—I I wanted to uh, throw up this question: Georgia's defense or Ole Miss's offense? If you put them—if tomorrow they went on the field, which one's coming out on top? With I the think, way you go ahead. I think right now the way Georgia's defense is playing, I. I have a hard time taking anybody's offense over top of that defense. I agree. I think that with the way that football as a whole, even college and NFL, people are just trying to score as many points as they can, and everybody's focused on offense. But I still want that defense. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you all are wrong. Uh, I'm big. I, I like offense personally, but. Um, you know, it's just uh, Lane Kiffin, man. He is he's 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 moving that rock, son. Um, I mean, he he's just yeah. Their defense isn't great, but they're not awful. They're not atrocious, you know. And whenever you put up sixty versus every team you play, like you know, I think that'd be a good game. I just, I'm not saying that. Oh, Win. I just think Ole Miss is going to be in every game because their offense is just so good. They're not putting up 60 against Georgia. Well, no. I just don't see them putting up that kind of numbers against Georgia. You know, watching Ole Miss play, it seems like they're really reliant more on the pass and their run game is a secondary for them. Yeah. I don't think against that Georgia front, if you don't have an established run game, 
I don't know how you're going to have enough time in the pocket against that Georgia defense. If they bring pressure, their linebackers are insanely fast. They cover ground and cut the distance so quick. It's going to be tough to get enough time to make anything happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, man, buddy, I am right there with you. But, um, I mean, you know, all, all Ole Miss has played is really uh, Louisville, Tulane, uh, and Austin B. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not really like the best spread of games. So, I, you know, I just wanted to throw that question out there. But um, the next thing I wanted to talk about, did you all see – the Mississippi State Memphis punt return. Yes. Bullshit. <laughs> yes. I, I, I totally agree. So just for all the listeners out there, if you don't know what happened, let me just kind of do a brief overview of what happened. So Mississippi State punts the ball. Really good punt. I mean, they downed it, in, I think, on the six-yard line. So, you know, they bat it back, and then – their guys like touch it and the ref throws down his little marker and then he starts to close the playoff. So he's got his hands in the air and then he, I guess he didn't blow his whistle. So technically the play was not dead and the Mississippi or the Memphis punt return guy picks the ball up, goes for a touchdown, completely changes the game. And what I thought was amazing was, Mississippi State still almost won the football game. I mean, just incredible. I mean, it, like it, it was it was honestly an awesome ending to the game. So uh, yeah, what did what did you think about that, Zach? Uh, we already got a bullshit hunter, so I think that pretty much covers his analysis. <laughs> I got yeah. something. Else. You know, the SEC has already come out and admitted they made a mistake, but that's just a mistake that you can't have in an SEC level football game as a crew. It's just, if you watch the video, the player's knee is on the ground and he's got the ball pinned to the ground. Now, the only argument that I've heard is that the actual rule states that the player has to be in possession of the football and down. So I don't know if they didn't think he had actual control of the ball or if they were just afraid to blow the whistle and blow it dead. But I think that's just a complete and total blown call on the official's part. And not the only one I think they made in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the punt return is getting a lot of attention, but I think the onside kick one might be worse. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they ended up still getting that, but I mean, still. <laughs> the point to, to call that they touched it illegally before it went 10 yards and then to go to the review and call a penalty completely different than what you were yep. reviewing. I just don't know how that happens. I agree. Hunter, what were you going to say about it? Let's hear it. The only other thing I 
add to it was like you, you all already covered that. It was a blown call. I think it was quote unquote bullshit. But great awareness by the Memphis player for playing to the whistle, man. He knew what he was doing. He he I mean you could see he was thinking about doing that before, you know, he had it in his mind and he picked it up and he ran it back for six. I mean, it was good awareness. You gotta give it to him. Yeah, I mean he 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 hauled ass over to the ball too. I mean, like he, you know, they they started down it and they like just they just touched it and the Mississippi State players started walking away. And I mean, he was hauling it. And one of the gunners, I, maybe it was a long snapper. Um, he almost got him back there, but oh my gosh, that's just that, that's inexcusable, and you can't have that. And I think, uh, you know, I try to be. I, I try to be as uh, moderate as possible whenever it comes to refs and everything like that. But man, I just think with with targeting and some of the things they've been doing, it, it's just really going downhill recently. And we're kind of ruining we're ruining football a little bit. But hopefully, they can get that fixed up here soon. Yeah, I'm gonna add just a little bit to that too. Is you know we've seen it in different types of plays where guys are just becoming a little bit lax on the football field, losing focus a little bit. You've got guys that drop the ball at the one-yard line when they're going in for a score. Small mistakes like that. If if you're downing a punt, you've got to wait till the whistle blows. And I get, I bet that's a mistake that, that those players will never make again the referee will probably have to pry the football out of their hands the rest of the season. All right. That's, I agree with that from the standpoint of Mississippi State, but um, you see people all the time drop the ball on the one-yard line. It's happening more and more all the time. I mean, you would think that they would take the ball and plant that ball on the back pile line, but they don't. They still continue to drop it on the one-yard line. It happens every year at least once or twice. Yep. It's because it looks cool, okay? You guys don't understand. I know neither one of you are cool, but uh, it's because it looks cool. All right, let's go on to our next thing, the big thing of the day, unless you guys want to do the power rankings first. But I'm taking authority here. We're going to go UK football game. What are you guys' thoughts about that? Absolutely beautiful display of football. I'll go first. I'm going to keep it pretty short, too. Um, if we play like that for the rest of the year, then it ain't going to look too good for us. And we just continue to turn the ball over. Again, turn, I mean, we're, we got, we're averaging almost three turnovers a game. We're not winning SEC games doing that. We're not beating – we might beat Vanderbilt. That's it. Maybe. I mean, if we're turning the ball over three times a game in the SEC, that's just not how. That's just not going to cut it. Now, I think that we have tons of potential if we can just clean it up in a few areas. But if we continue to play like we have played the first few weeks, it ain't going to look too good for the rest of the year. That being said, we're three and zero. All that matters is the record. Three and zero, good record. I'd like to be four and zero after Saturday, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you could tell almost from kickoff that the intensity wasn't there against Chattanooga. They were definitely – I don't know if they were looking forward to the South Carolina game or if they were even looking farther than that to the Florida game. But 
you could see a team that really didn't respect their opponent. And it, it showed. We uh, made so many mistakes, took so many penalties, and not just effort penalties, procedural penalties that you just can't have in a football game. You can't have 12 guys on the field. You can't make those types of errors because that's not an effort play where a guy just reaches up, grabs a face mask to make a tackle. You can live with those effort plays. You cannot live with people making mistakes on where they're supposed to be. False starts. Those are the types of penalties that cost you football games, and we, I feel like we were lucky to escape Chattanooga with a win. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I went I went to that game, um, and unfortunately, I paid for the tickets, so that was very unfortunate. But uh, one of the things I wanted to throw out there is I, I, I realized that I say Chattanooga right because the announcer continuously, all game, you guys, I don't know if you guys heard this, watching it from home, but he continuously said Chattanooga. And it just threw me, it just threw me for a loop. And I, you know, I had to throw that out there. I had, I had to give him that shout out that it is Chattanooga. I looked it up and I, I even had Siri say it. So, you know, I had to throw that out there. But one of my things that I have to just, I have to have out there is Will Levis has got to get better at these inside slant plays. He's throwing it behind the receiver almost every single time. And yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of being picky at this point, but you know, it's resulted in two interceptions so far. Yeah. Two interceptions so far this year. And um, we need to get the ball to the tight ends because other than the one throw he threw to Isaiah Cummins um, that was behind him and tipped and Missouri picked it off. They have a hundred percent completion rate. We have got to get them the ball more. They are the ones that are producing. And, you know, maybe, maybe we're, maybe we're, that's not even loud, is it? Oh, it's really loud. Um, I'm not, I'm not, we have to start getting the ball to the tight ends more. Um, you know, we were minus six on turnovers, just like uh, Hunter said. Uh, Jacquez Jones made an amazing stop. Uh, he tipped the ball, or that was a for sure touchdown, and then we do a pick six on the very next play. Um, the announcer kept saying, Bob Stoops, you know, Wright's going to be healthy next week. So, And the first time this year so far, Will Levis threw bad beat balls. You know, I, it, it was like everything that could go wrong did it. And we still won the football game. So that's something that I think is a positive. And our defense looked atrocious. I don't think you can even say anything other than that. But, yeah, so that, that's what I thought about it. If you guys have anything you want to add to that. Our defense, man, our defense just has got to improve. And it's no secret. Everybody knows that we're thin at corner. That's our weakest spot. And I think we're trying to protect them. I think we're playing those zone coverages. We're not rushing more than four guys at a time. 
And while it's protecting our corners, it's really making us vulnerable to those five, 10 yard passes. And that's what's killing us. We've got to get pressure in the backfield. You have to rush. College quarterbacks are there because they can throw the football. And if you give them time, they're going to find somebody. The defense just isn't what it used to be. I think people, it's about time that, uh, you know, everybody realizes it's just not what it used to be. Maybe we can turn around. Like you said, we have room for improvement. I think we can, but it's just not, it's not locked down anymore like it used to be, I think. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that's enough of that negativity. Let's go something a little bit more positive and let's talk about the South Carolina game that we have coming up. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts to it? And what do you what do you think the outcome is going to be? So give me some predictions. I think that uh, when I looked at the schedule, I circled this as probably the biggest trap game of the season. You should have been coming off a huge win on against Chattanooga and then you've got Florida the following weekend. Maybe playing so poorly this past weekend is going to prevent that from happening, and I hope it does. Uh, as far as the game goes, sounds like South Carolina's quarterback may be out right now. Uh, they're going to give – they're probably going to give us a healthy dose of the run game if they have to rely on their backups. The one thing about South Carolina is their defensive line is legit. They have top quality talent on the defensive line. It is not going to be easy for us to run the football on them. Now, their defensive backs are really weak. They remind me a lot of UK's defense. Really good line, really good run stop. If you don't see a very healthy dose of Levis to Robinson Saturday, I will be shocked. Coop, you can go. I'll go last. Okay. Um, yeah, so whenever I watch the game against uh, Georgia, all we need is – about 12 more five stars, and we're going to destroy this team. Um, but, but anyways, uh, I, I, do, I do think that we are, we are the clear uh, – it's a, what, five-point spread? Is that five, correct? Yeah, five and a half. I think we cover that. I don't think that that's going to be an issue if we come ready to play. Our offensive line is ridiculous. I mean – you know, uh, Darian Kennard, he has not even had a hurry or a sack. I don't know if you guys knew that, but he has not had either. Um, this guy is unreal at the tackle positions. We're insane. Eli Cox is awesome. Um, and I, you know, I, I think, I think we're gonna, we're gonna, ex we're gonna expose their defense in every outlet because when you look at that, South Carolina versus Georgia game, 
That's exactly what Georgia did. Georgia did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And I honestly think that we're going to, we're going to do that to South Carolina also. Um, hopefully, you know, we can still see Beamer or on the sidelines, hyping his players up whenever we're, we're up uh, a good, good amount of touchdowns. But uh, I think, I think this is going to be the best we play in any game for the rest of the year. Uh, Mark Stoops always plays South Carolina ridiculously good. I don't know why. It's like some stigma that like South Carolina is better than Kentucky or something. That's been long gone, but we've just always played South Carolina good. Um, so, Hunter, what's your thoughts? I personally think that um, it's going to be another sloppy game. South Carolina turns the ball over two times a game. We're turning the ball over 2.7 times a game. I think it's all about how we go into a hostile environment, handle adversity. If Will Levis comes out and throws an early pick or, you know, somebody fumbles the ball, we got to get back on it and continue to play our game. And I think that we definitely can beat this team. We, Wondell Robinson continues to impress every week. I think that he can, you know, he's going to continue to be a weapon, but I think he can have a big day on Saturday. Also, we are converting 58% of third downs, 58% on third down. That's that's pretty good. We'll see. I mean, we have the edge in that. I think I think we have the edge, and I think that we definitely can beat them, but I think it's all about how we handle adversity because I think that might, you know, it's a hostile road environment on the SEC, and we'll see how we can handle it. But I think that we have the weapons, and I think we can get the win. 27-4. 27-4. Kentucky. 2724 2724 Kentucky right. Zach what's yours I think we uh I think we beat them a little worse than that I think I'm going to go 2714 2714 You guys are going to go wild 4221 Kentucky roll seam roll baby 21 points. Book it. Over on the never wanted you to be more right in your life. <laughs> over on 49 and a half. Wait, Coop and I said over. Yeah. Over. Over for sure. I can I mean, I just don't think if 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 you're if you're a betting man, you know, I just don't think you can look at um our defense and you can look at their defense and say, wow, this is going to be a lockdown game because Kentucky's offense is a pretty solid offense. Um, Luke Doty is probably going to be the starter this upcoming week. That's uh, what I've read earlier. So we're not going to get, you know, the starting quarterback, uh, even though he honestly didn't look that bad against Georgia. I mean, you can only look so good against Georgia. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it's that uh, that over seems pretty low to me. I think that that's locked to me. I'd hammer that shit. I like I like the over at forty nine and a half, but Kentucky getting five and a half points, or yeah, I, South Carolina getting five and a half points. Sorry, Kentucky has a five and a half point favorite. I don't know if we'll cover that. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, for everybody that does bet out there. The football power index gives South Carolina a 58% chance to win this game, yet you can also take them at plus 
85 and five and a half points if you want. It's it's looking pretty good for some betters out there. We'll see. I don't know that Kentucky will cover, but I do think they'll win the game. I think Kentucky has a chance to put some points on the board, but uh, after last week's performance and watching Levis struggle with the deep ball, which he has not shown in the past, I kind I want to see him come out and make a couple connect on a couple throws early to kind of shake off the jitters that I'm sure he's going to have. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a valid point, man. I mean, yeah, this, this last week was just ugly. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go to the last point of the day. Um, actually, we have two more points. Just kidding. Um, so, SEC power rankings, really, just let's just give, give me your top five um, – Top five teams, and then I got one more thing to say about SEC football and then uh, – or football in general, and then we'll go to NFL. So you want the top five teams that I feel like or – Yeah, in the SEC, yes. I don't I, – I know what the AP polls say. I think you've got Alabama and Georgia at the top with Florida maybe sitting just outside the door to that suite. And then I think there's a little bit of a talent gap. I think uh, – I know Ole Miss is ranked in front of them in the current power – SEC power rankings. Uh, I think they belong up there in that conversation. I don't think that they're there with Georgia and Alabama yet, but – there's no doubt that Lane Kiffin is putting on a clinic offensively down there in Mississippi. I think the biggest shock for me is Missouri falling all the way to number 13 in the power rankings. They're a quality football team. I have a hard time seeing them fall all the way to number 11. I think that goes back to Kentucky still isn't getting a whole lot of respect in the SEC. They're, they're still viewed as the old Kentucky. And I think losing to Kentucky just is a bad look for Missouri, even though I do think Kentucky has taken that next step to be talked about in the SEC. We're not, we're not flying first class with the Georgias and the Alabamas and the Floridas yet. But we're not flying economy either. Uh, we've been flying on the wing of the jet. I don't know where what you've been talking about. But we're on, we've been on the wing sometimes. <laughs> I think we were down in the luggage compartment for a while there. <laughs> top five. Yeah. Go ahead and give me Texas A&M at the top. They're the best team in the SEC. Hot take of the day. Wow. wow. Go ahead. Wow. You can give me Bama, you can give me Bama at number two. You can give me Georgia at number three. And I think those those are pretty close, Bama and Georgia. You can give me Florida at number four. And you know, y'all know I'm a real big Kentucky fan. So go ahead and give me Arkansas at number five as well. Big silly, baby. 
I love me, that number five. Kentucky at number six. I'm still hung up on number one here. You're taking A&M. You'll see. You'll see later in the year. Who only beat Colorado by a field goal. You'll see. You'll see. A&M, I will say, okay, A&M has a great defense. They do. But they have concerns on offense. And I think if you put them at number one, I don't think, like, I mean, they're not, they don't have a better defense than Georgia. They just don't. You can't, you can't sit there and tell me that. You just, I just, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not even going to listen to it. Uh, and they don't have better – I mean, they don't have better offense than Georgia either. So, I, you know, that's a hot take. Whatever. I, I actually have Texas A&M at my seven. So, we're way off on that one. I, I respect it because he is a professional handicapper, um, and we'll tag that <laughs> at the end. So, I respect that. I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back, and I won't roast you for that. But, number one, I got Georgia. Uh, number no, two, I got, I got – all right, I, let me tell me let me tell my file, and then you can chime in, right, everybody. Right, right. Go so I got I got Georgia at one, I got Alabama at two, I got Ole Miss at three, I got Florida at four, and I got Arkansas five. Go ahead. I agree with you on that Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, I think personally, I'm putting Bama above Georgia just because of name. I'm I'm gonna just go ahead and say that. I think you have to until you maybe see them play each other at the end of the year. Maybe not. We'll see. But Georgia very well could be better than Bama right now. I, well, as the year goes on, we'll find out. But um, I think that Texas A&M is better than Alabama. But I will go ahead and agree with you and say I'm not sure that Texas A&M is better than Georgia. I don't know. I Georgia's will say this. Go ahead. We will find out a lot more about your Aggies on Saturday when they take on a very talented Arkansas squad. I think Arkansas, Arkansas might really, really stump them. I mean, I mean, Arkansas, like that, that Texas game was scary. I mean, that it was. That's why I put them up there in my top five, give them some respect. I give them respect, but I can't. I can't put them on the pedestal just yet. They're, they're like, they're like right there. They're like, come on, man. You know, let me up I there. I think at this point, Georgia and Alabama are almost interchangeable in the one and two. But Hunter made a good point. You know, until Alabama gives you reason to drop them off that that pedestal, it's really hard to discount what Alabama means and the name Alabama football. Yeah, uh, I do think this this is a year where Georgia has the perfect recipe to upset Alabama, if you would call even call it an upset. But if history has shown us anything, Georgia normally finds a way to screw that up. I agree. I agree. Last point I want to make about college football. So. Kentucky wins against South Carolina, okay? If, if our predictions, any of our predictions are right, do we have game day? But let me just throw this out there before you even say a word. We have Cincinnati versus Notre Dame that week. We have Arkansas versus Georgia that week. And we have Ole Miss versus Alabama. I think there's a very good chance 
that Kentucky ends up with game day versus Florida. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, Notre Dame, Cincinnati is not on an ESPN network. Alabama is not on an ESPN network that week. So I think really you've only got two games. You've got the Arkansas game and the Kentucky game to choose from. I agree. I think there's a good chance that we see game day. But I don't know if you all saw where our TV schedule is dependent. We might play at six on the SEC network. And we might play at seven on ESPN. I don't know if that's still – I think, it's, I think it's flip-flopped. I think it's – you could be right. But, I, I, yeah, it is it's, – it's either Texas a and takes our spot or we take theirs. And that all depends on if we win this weekend. I'm, you know, pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. If we win – if we win against South Carolina, I 100% expect us to have game day with Florida coming in. Because I think – that if we beat South Carolina, I think there's a chance we sneak into the top 25. I, I agree with that. I was going to make that point. Yes, I think it'll be a top 25 showdown. And I, if if we beat South Carolina, and especially if we beat them convincingly. Yeah, if, I think if Cooper's score comes to fruition there, I think there's no doubt we jump up in the rankings. Yeah, that ain't happening, but I hope so. Well, I respectfully disagree. All right, let's go on to NFL. Uh, week two, a lot of a lot of a lot of wild games. Um, I I only watched about three of these games. I'm gonna be completely honest. Um, I'm gonna just run straight through the Patriots versus Jets because Zach Wilson threw four interceptions. Those that little golden boy headbanded dude. Um, he looks like he's on the cover of H and M. And then, uh, do the Broncos finally have an offense that can throw the ball? Real quick, yes or no? No. No, okay. Zach? No. Okay, moving on. That's all we want to get in now. Uh, next one, uh, do the Raiders actually have, have an offense that's capable to – Take them far. I mean, you know, Derek Carr, he's playing really good. So, what, what do y'all think about that? I think the Raiders definitely have some talent. I think Derek Carr, you know, is is a proven guy in the league. He's not a tier one guy. But I feel like Derek Carr is a, definitely a tier two quarterback. I don't feel like he's a superstar, but I feel like he's a guy that you can really get behind and win some games. Uh, so far – I haven't seen a reason to doubt them. I think the Raiders are a very good team. And like you said, I think that they have the tools to make a run. But, I mean, I think Derek Carr has a more potential to be their down, downfall than he is to be. I think he's more has more potential for a bad game than he does a great tier one game, in my opinion. So, I think that if it comes crunch time, you know, maybe if we're talking playoffs here, I think that he can be more of a detriment than he is an asset. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to the next game. Cardinals and Vikings. 
Lord of mercy, is baby Yoda good or what? I mean, Lord have mercy. And that's Kyler Murray for all the listeners out there, which, you know, we'll probably have about seven listeners. Um, so for all you seven people, um, you know, how, how good is Kyler Murray? I mean, 29 for 36, 400 yards, uh, three and two. Yeah, the two interceptions, that's a little question mark, but gosh, he is insane. I'm going to let you two talk about this one because I actually did not watch this game. Uh, just going by the stats, two interceptions you can live with with a young quarterback. But I do think Murray is going to end up being one of those tier one guys in the league. Well, Zach, you're fired. You didn't watch the game. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray's Kyler Murray is good, really good. And I'm not taking anything away from Kyler Murray. I'm simply stating that Kyler Murray's got weapons out there, scary ones. <laughs> yeah. DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. False. And that's, that's, uh, that is that is an opinion, but we'll, we'll continue. Hop is the best around. Um. I mean, they got good – A.J. Green, I think he's – I mean, I don't know how good he's going to be. We'll just have to wait and see on that. But they got weapons. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, other than D-Hop, that's not a fact. Absolutely not. Um, fact. We'll, we'll move on, and let's talk about the team that hosts the best wide receivers, and that's the Packers. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL without question – Right now, no doubt. Um, what, what did y'all think about the – Yeah. What did you say? Best wide receiver in Green Bay, yeah. I agree. Whatever. Uh, what did y'all think? So, I, I, I know I actually asked you all before, so I'm not going to ask you all that. Um, so, I watched the Peyton and Eli. You guys need to go back and watch this because – it's, it really is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But the one thing that I have wrong with it is Eli is so awkward. I mean, this dude literally is sitting there and the whole time he's smiling. He doesn't stop smiling the whole time. <laughs> it's like, it's like the first time that his parents let him outside and he's just smiling and he doesn't know what to do in the conversation. Every single person that they brought in has been awesome. Um, I mean, yesterday, Rob Gronkowski said that he, he he literally said, I don't watch film. I just run past guys. Like, that's awesome. And then Brett Favre came on there. Brett Favre is hilarious. If you guys don't know that, um, just awesome content. And you get to see uh, how Peyton sees offenses run. And it, it's really cool. So I would definitely – uh, look at that. But what do y'all think about the Lions? I, I want to focus more on the Lions than I do the Packers. Um, I mean, Derek Goff, he's not playing bad. No, Jared Goff it was a good pickup there, I think. Uh, I actually wanted to talk more about the Packers <laughs> because after that, absolutely atrocious week one by Aaron Rodgers. He comes back and gives us a gem. 22 of 27, 255 yards with four TDs, no picks. That's the Aaron Rodgers that Green Bay pushed for and wanted to keep, not 
the Aaron Rodgers of the week before where I don't even know if he knew he was playing football still. It also doesn't hurt that he has one of the most dynamic running backs in the league with Jones, not only coming out of the backfield, but catching passes out of the backfield. The guy is super dynamic and Green Bay is going to be a contender again. I'll start on the lines since Coop brought up the lines. Uh, they're not very good, and they will continue to not be very good with Jared Goff as their starting quarterback. Um, he's not good enough to turn the franchise around or anything like that. And Metron coming out of retirement might could help them. That's about it. Um, now to talk about the Packers. Uh, as Stephen A. Smith would say, he says Aaron Rodgers is a bad man, but Aaron Rodgers – I'm here to tell you, is not a bad man anymore. Like, like you said, he did throw, he did go out there and throw a gym this week, and I think that the Packers are contenders in the NFC still. I do, but I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is a bad man anymore. I don't think that he's as good as he used to be, and I think that I don't, I don't think he's good enough to lead this team to an NFC championship or a Super Bowl. Hunter just came on here for the hot takes. Um, he's no longer going to be on the show. Uh, he just has too hot of takes, and I just uh, – we can't do it. <laughs> I, I, but I do agree. It's a, I, I definitely do agree. Um, I don't think he can – you know, I, I don't think he's good enough to take them to the Super Bowl, just himself. Like, if you compare him to Pat Mahomes, like, I think it, that's night and day. Like, Pat Mahomes is good enough to take them to the Super Bowl even if their defense was dog trash. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on that point. I do still think he's a bad man, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. So I'm okay with that hot take. I'm totally okay with that hot take. Um, but, yeah, uh, anything else that we forgot that you all wanted to bring up or anything like that? The Bed and Bow's Dog of the Week. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I'll 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 edit that out. So, um, all right, here we go. So, last thing we're going to be talking about is, of course, you all asked for it, aka you didn't, but we're still giving it to you. The Bed and Bow's Dog of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Hunter, go ahead with your Dog of the Week. As Cooper said at the beginning of the show, I'm a sports handicapper, betting bowls on Instagram and Facebook. You know, I charge for these picks, but I'm giving you – I'm actually giving you two underdogs, dogs of the week this week on the show for free. You can bet them if you want, fade them if you want. You regret fading them, but, you know, whatever. For college football, the SMU Mustangs are getting 10 points against TCU. They don't need the points. They can beat TCU outright, SMU over TCU for the dog of the week. And the NFL, this might this might come as a surprise to you guys. The Bucks opened as underdogs against the Rams. And I think the Rams are good. I think Matthew Stafford is good. I think I think the Rams have a complete team. But the Buccaneers opened as a dog against the Rams. And you can give me Tom Brady, one point underdog, which that, that line's currently changing quick. I think it's more like a pick'em game now. But give me the Buccaneers as my NFL underdog. 
I, I like those picks. Um, I don't know Diddley Duda about SMU, but I like Brady. And uh, I think I think their defense is just it's ridiculous. I mean, obviously you can't go against Aaron Donald, but you know, their defense. I mean, our boy Mike Edwards. We have to throw that in there. Mike Edwards with two pick sixes against my Falcons. Oh yeah. Gotta love that. <laughs> Gotta love that. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that's pretty much uh, pretty much it. I hope you all enjoyed our first our first episode. If you didn't, don't come back for the second one because we're coming back. Uh, you all have yourself a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back either Monday or Tuesday. Thank you for listening.